This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm not Jesse Kelly at all. Mike Slater filling in for the great Jesse Kelly, but we have a very Jesse Kelly-esque show for you today. Coming up, we'll talk about the latest with Israel and Hamas and why you should not be surprised at the barbarism and beheadings by Hamas. Josh Hammer will be here to give us the latest with that and why uh, Joe Biden is visiting tomorrow. Liz Wheeler is going to be here about Black Lives Matter, losing their minds even more. And then we have one of our expert lawyers coming up to talk about the Trump gag order. What is that exactly? What does that even mean? That's all coming up with I'm Right with Jesse Kelly. Mike Slater filling in. America's the greatest country in the world. Welcome to I'm Right with Jesse Kelly. I'm Mike Slater filling in for Jesse today. We still have a government shutdown in D.C. They voted for speaker, did not get it yet. Jim's Jordan, Jim Jordan still waiting, still trying to figure it out. Jesse Kelly, of course, will be covering that for you tomorrow if they can pull it together by then. But also, as Jesse would say, we're not going to be distracted by what most people are distracted by. Got a lot of other important things to cover as well. One hundred and ninety-nine. That's how many hostages have been taken up by Hamas. Hamas has said there's no way of knowing how many are still alive, though. You know, two points that I want to make here for you. First, do not be shocked by barbarism. The point of my podcast, Politics by Faith, is there's nothing new under the sun. From Ecclesiastes one nine, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Civilization, what you and I have lived in our lives, is rare and hard. So get ready for what life has always been, and that is brutal. Get ready emotionally, spiritually, for a return to the savage and the wicked and the uncivilized and the benighted. I love that word, benighted. Get ready for a return to what has always been. A lot was made of Hamas beheading babies. I saw one video of a Hamas guy taking a garden hoe to the neck of an Israeli on the ground. Hamas beheaded people, right? And people are like, oh, that's so barbaric. Listen, that's real life. Wake up. Get used to it. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that this is, I'm not saying this to justify it. Like, oh, it's no big deal. It happens all the time. I'm saying it to wake us all up as to what is possible and what should be expected in war and what should be expected from the wicked hearts of man. 
We, th we, we think beheading of babies is out of the realm of possibility. Maybe it's been for your whole life. Oh, like, no one would ever do that. That's, that's brutal. That's barbaric. I can't even fathom such a thing. Put it back in the realm of possibility. One of the problems with progressivism is it's tricked a lot of people into thinking that we now are somehow different than people from the past. And, oh, we would never. Oh, that would never happen anymore. Oh, at your own peril. Herodotus, a Greek historian. 400 BC, he wrote, it's 2,500 years ago, talked about the Scythian people, which is where we would today uh, call the Middle East, and how the warriors there would behead their enemies and bring the heads back to the king, and they would scalp each head and keep it as a, as a type of metal to wear on their clothes, as a type of trophy. And Herodotus said, an outstanding warrior might possess a robe of scalps. Could you imagine? Like a cape or a huge robe of scalps. 2,500 years ago, nothing new. Doing the same thing today, nothing's changed. Oh, so that was very long ago. 17,000 people were beheaded during the French Revolution in one year. 17,000. Oh, Slater, but that would never happen now. That would never happen here. Check out this example. I, I love this incredulity. This video going around of, of just proof of the, uh, the, the West's and Israel's callousness and cruelty. This is a CNN anchor, and the guy he's talking to is uh, a former U.S. general. But does, does that mean, um, you say, does that mean starve the Palestinian people, continue to, because they will be so hungry and will be so desperate for water and medicine that then they will give up Hamas? It sounds callous, but, I mean, this is a war. Okay, I love that clip so much. Here's why. The shock, the, 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 the disgust, the disbelief from the CNN anchor that anyone would ever do such a thing. Like this, like, are you telling me that they are surrounding, Israel surrounding the Gaza Strip and starving people so that they give up the hostages? Yes, Charlie. I don't know what his name is. Yes, Charlie. It's called a siege. It's been a military strategy for thousands of years. <laughs> no one's using the word siege because that would, that, would, that would make people think like, oh, oh, well, that's normal. Like right now it has to be held up as, as, oh, cruel, evil, awful, wicked Israel. I can't believe they're doing that. We got a humanitarian crisis on our hands. Oh. That's so, but when they use the word siege, then it would have people be like, oh, yeah, that's been around for a long time, I guess. People think siege means an attack. It doesn't. It means a blockade. It's the surrounding of a city or a, a fortress to starve them out. Right? It comes from the Latin word meaning to sit. That's how that, that's, that's again, thousands of years. And the people inside this area, uh, they would, nothing goes in or out. Right? So eventually they give up. <laughs> and in this case, they would give up and A, hand over the hostages that they've taken, but also give up their terrorists. And then when they do, you know what will happen? We give them their food and water and electricity and medicine back. It's very simple, Charles. It's been around for a long time, but oh, it's so shocking. On my radio show, we, we shared the story of uh, the, the um, siege of Alicia. It was at the end of the Gallic Wars. General Julius Caesar led a two-week siege against the leader of, of this guy 
Versigatorix, who united the tribes of Gaul, which is France. So this guy, Versigatorix, he came out at the end of this two-week siege because he, he couldn't last any longer. He came out on his horse to meet Julius Caesar, and he dramatically took off his armor and laid his sword down at Caesar's feet. And that's what Israel wants Hamas to do. Come out, lay down your sword. Now, what did Caesar do? Well, today, Israel would turn the lights back on. What did Caesar do? Arrested him, kept him, arrested him, kept him in prison for six years and then cut off his head. No mercy. Very fascinating to me. It's a very human nature aspect that we hear that story of Julius Caesar doing something 2,000 years ago and it's fine. It's like a movie or something. We're very emotionally distant from it. But the thought of Israel doing something like that to Hamas terrorists, oh, evil beyond belief, it's unfathomable. I love that clip so much. CNN, oh, you're, you're telling me they're starving civilians? Yes. It's exactly what they're doing. There's no need to be scared to admit such a thing. But always remember, Hamas can end this immediately. So that's what we got to keep in mind. Nothing to be shocked about. Like get anything that you thought was out of the realm of possibility, put it back in the realm of possibility. And also, this is war. Keep hearing about humanitarian crises. Oh yeah? What caused that? Oh, it's a mystery. We'll never know. Israel's just mean, right? Josh Hammer from The Josh Hammer Show coming up next. Why is Joe Biden going to Israel tomorrow? What does he hope to achieve? What's the point? And who even wants him there? I mean that. Does he want to go? Like, is it his decision? Or is it Israel's decision to have him there? I have some ideas. We'll share that coming up next. I'm right with Jesse Kelly. I'm Mike Slater. Filling in. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust? Or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Don't worry, everyone. He's in charge. Things will be fine. I'm Mike Slater filling in for Jesse Kelly. Thanks for being here. I want to go right to Josh Hammer. He's the senior editor-at-large at Newsweek and host of The Josh Hammer Show. How are you doing, Josh? Mike, these are dark times, but it's always a pleasure to join you. Thanks for having me. Indeed. I'm grateful you're here. Thank you for enlightening us through all these dark times. I want to get to Joe Biden in a second because Joe is visiting Israel tomorrow. But before we get to the news, I got a big picture question for you. Conservatives, for the most part, have spent a year talking about how our border, or we shouldn't be concerned with the borders of Ukraine, and we need to focus on our borders. And now here we are all of a sudden, and we're like, hey, we, we got to be concerned about the borders of the Gaza Strip. What is different about Israel than Ukraine? And what is unique about America's relationship with Israel that matters? Yeah, so I have been one of those conservatives. I have been skeptical of the Ukraine-Russia war since the get-go. I have devoted many columns, many of my own podcast episodes, basically calling for realism and restraint when it comes to that conflict. I have said for a year and a half at least now that American statesmanship when it comes to that conflict should be trying to reach some sort of mutually agreeable diplomatic off-ramp that would essentially allow Zelensky and Putin to both go home, save face before their domestic audiences, and then we can just get on with our lives. Here's the thing, Mike, every foreign policy issue, every foreign conflict has to be assessed on its own merits. Now, the reason that I've been critical of many neoconservatives when it comes to the Russia-Ukraine conflict is because a lot of neoconservatives tend to paint every single foreign policy conflict into a World War II-esque black or white dichotomy, where everything is Western liberal democracy versus totalitarian fascism. Well, as the case may be in Russia and Ukraine, Ukraine's actually a very corrupt country, on and on. It's actually, it's, it's a little more complicated. Like, like, like there are a lot of shades of gray there. The Israel-Hamas situation is different for multiple reasons. One is, this is not a gray area. This is about as black or white of a foreign policy issue as you can possibly imagine. Israel is one of America's closest allies. We work with them in, intensely closely when it comes to intelligence sharing, security training, our military train with each other. We coordinate when it comes to military defense, basically everything you can imagine. The American-Israeli relationship, no matter what the left would like that relationship to be, and they wouldn't like it to, to be very good, it continues to be extraordinarily strong. The second thing that I think is very relevant here is the, the actors on the other side of equation, not just Hamas, but also Hamas's patrons, namely the Islamic Republic of Iran, have the exact same aims in mind for Israel as they do for America. When it comes to Iran, of course, this is a country that in their parliament in Tehran, they literally chant not just debt to Israel, they chant debt to America as well. In the eyes of the Ayatollah of Iran, America is the great Satan and Israel is simply the little Satan. Same thing for Hamas. Yes, Hamas wants to annihilate Israel. Yes, they want to murder every Jew in the world. They also want to murder every quote unquote infidel in the world, every Jew, Christian, or even fellow Muslim who does not subscribe to their radical, genocidal, fanatical ideology. So this is really about much more than just a, a, a border conflict. This is very different, of course, than kind of just a Donbass, Eastern Eastern Ukraine, you know, ethnic Ukrainian, ethnic Russian border dispute. This is a much broader conflict. And if Israel were to stand down now, here are things that here's the very key point to answer your question, Mike. If Israel were to stand down now, and there was a premature ceasefire, the direct result of that would not merely be Hamas getting away with total impunity, which would of course endanger all Israelis in the region. Rather, the broader result of that 
would be to embolden the global jihad. It would be to embolden all of these monsters who are idiots. Our leaders in charge have idiotically imported to our own shores. They are embedded in our very communities, in our towns, on our campuses. We see them marching on American college campuses, marching in the streets of Chicago, New York City. All of these fanatics who are idiotic leaders have led in both legally and illegally would be emboldened if Hamas were to get away with this. And our own security would therefore be much more at risk unless Israel does what it has to do in Gaza. Well said. Now there's talk about importing Gazan refugees. People are just out of their minds. Um, so Joe Biden, visiting tomorrow, I was talking to a reporter in Jerusalem this morning on my radio show, and he made the point, he believes, that this is at the request of the White House that Biden is visiting, not at the request of Israel or Netanyahu. So I'm curious what you think about that, and what is the purpose of Joe Biden going? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are, and it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Well, I, I, that's an interesting, I hadn't actually heard that until you just said it, but that makes sense to me because I have a very troubling take on this. I mean, I, Joe Biden has ostensibly be saying m many of the right things when it comes to the situation in Gaza. I do note though that he has not said any of the right things when it comes to Iran or even Qatar, the very problematic country that houses Hamas leadership in five-star luxury hotels in Doha, Qatar. You know, was just last year was designated a major non-NATO U.S. ally. Um, Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken have been horrible when it comes to Qatar, but he thus far has been okay with Gaza. However, if you follow Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken's Twitter feeds closely over the past 36 to 48 hours, you've started to notice a bit of a shift in tone there. And the fact that the White House is, was the one who wanted Joe Biden over there, I think plays into my broader theory, which is that he is not going over there. He is not going there to kind of unequivocally announce that he is with Netanyahu, that he is with Israel, no matter what they do when it comes to Hamas or Hezbollah. I think that he is there 
in order to basically get Israel to stand down and try to prematurely reach the very ceasefire that we were just talking about and that I said that Israel should absolutely not agree to. So I sincerely, I hope I'm wrong, but I sincerely worry that this is part of it. Go ahead, sorry. No, 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 I apologize. He said on 60 Minutes the other day that he doesn't think Israel should occupy Gaza. Right. I don't know what his definition of occupy is, but it seems like he is definitely leaning more on the side of uh, restraint and, and very both sideism here. 100%. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that kind of gave away the game right there, right? I mean, I, look, if Israel does not militarily reoccupy uh, Gaza to some extent, how can they ever be sure that the situation will not simply just repeat itself I, I, and it'll be a terrible feedback loop over and over again? You know, it's worth noting, Mike, that one of the reasons that the IDF, uh, prior to potentially what we're about to see, has consistently eschewed, they have avoided a full-scale tr- attempt to topple Hamas. One of the main reasons is that not only is Hamas overwhelmingly popular among the Arabs who live in Gaza, but the IDF is afraid of the fact that if they if they get rid of Hamas and then don't militarily reoccupy or annex the territory, something worse than Hamas will come into place. That has literally been one of the IDF's reasons for not previously invading. So Joe Biden is, is already kind of letting it slip through. You're entirely correct to point out what he said there on 60 Minutes there. So I do not trust this man for a second. In the name of de-escalation, where could you see this spiraling out of control, right? So we have two aircraft carriers in the Eastern Mediterranean to prevent Iran from doing more, uh, seeing more about, well, geez, if if, uh, Israel invades Gaza, then Hezbollah gets involved, and now we got all these other countries involved. Where do you see it going that way? Well, right now, those aircraft carriers are there as a pure deterrent mechanism when it comes to Iran specifically. Now, Hezbollah is clearly chomping at the bit. I, I mean, that's probably one of the numerous reasons that the ground invasion in Gaza has not yet launched yet. The IDF is probably, I would presume, trying to figure out exactly how they can manage that northern front with Hezbollah if the tanks are rolling into Gaza. They've already evacuated the communities in very northern Israel near that troubling border with Lebanon. Now, it's impossible to know. I find it hard to believe that those aircraft carriers would get involved if it was merely Hezbollah. Um, I can can only imagine them actually starting to get involved if Iran itself, like the actual IRGC, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, starts actually getting involved in the fighting. Hezbollah is an Iranian proxy. It is not technically the, the Iranian government itself. Now, however, uh, having said that, if Iran or Hezbollah starts attacking U.S. assets, like attacking troops, uh, JSOC, you know, hostage evacuation specialists who are on the ground there, if God forbid they start coming after our own aircraft carriers themselves, that I think is when you can start to see things getting a little dicey. But it, it's hard to see that happening. I mean, these people are are genocidal, genocidal, fanatical Islamist maniacs. But you know, to, to Trump's point the other night, um, I, I'm not going to call them smart, but but they're not stupid. I mean, Hezbollah is not trying to yes, get itself yeah, they're, wiped they're off the face of the enough. earth either. Right. Yeah. Got about one minute. What do you make of the fact that Egypt and Iran refuse to take in any Palestinian refugees? Look, uh, it kind of says all you need to know about these people. I mean, again, Hamas was overwhelmingly popularly popularly elected to Gaza. Hamas is overwhelmingly popular in Gaza. The reason that Mahmoud Abbas, the chairman of the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, whatever you want to call it, the reason that he has not held elections in 18 years, despite only being elected to a purported four-year term, is the fact that the polling there shows that Hamas would crush Fatah. So you're dealing with a highly radicalized population. Nearly half of adults say that they support suicide bombings against Israeli Jews. So of course no one wants these people because these people, frankly, for the most part, are just truly fanatical zealots. 
Josh Hammer, grateful for you, man. Everyone go uh, listen to Josh's podcast, The Josh Hammer Show, and he's the senior editor-at-large at Newsweek. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate you. Thanks, Mike. Coming up next, Liz Wheeler from The Liz Wheeler Show. I'm Mike Slater, filling in for the great Jesse Kelly, right here on The First TV. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe, download now, The Truth. If we don't step up, uh, boldly and courageously to end the, the imperialist project that's called Israel, um, we're doomed. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, it's been so fascinating and revealing the connection between Hamas and Black Lives Matter. Interesting. Liz Wheeler is here, host of The Liz Wheeler Show, Monday through Friday, right here, 7 o'clock Eastern on The First TV, and author of the wonderful book, Buy It, Why Have You Not Bought It Yet? Hide Your Children, exposing the Marxists behind the attack on America's kids. Liz, how you doing? Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, can't wait to talk about Black Lives Matter with you. No one knows more about uh, the roots of Black Lives Matter than you. But first, big picture, why does Israel matter to America? And why does Israel matter to Christians? This is a great question and something that Republicans in general should be able to articulate more clearly than we are. Uh, Instead of articulating it, we're oftentimes playing defense, trying to parry with the left who says, well, why are you being hypocrites? Why don't you want to send money to Ukraine, but you want to get involved or support Israel? Israel is incredibly important to the United States for many reasons. First of all, they are our strongest ally in that region. They are surrounded, as we know, by jihadist nations or nations that harbor jihadists, which perhaps that's potato potato. And without Israel as our strong ally, that entire region would be governed and ruled and oppressed by people who not only want to wipe out the state of Israel, but also want to do the same thing to America should they get the chance to do so. So it's an incredibly important strategic ally that we have in Israel, because again, not to sound too graphic here, but what Hamas did to the Jews in Israel last week, they would and will do to the United States if they can possibly figure out how to infiltrate our shores the way that they did with Israel. Secondly, there's a moral question, Mike, that I think a lot of Republicans are hesitant to talk about. And the, the, the moral question here has to do with, okay, it was wrong for Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine. We all agree with that. No one thinks it was the right thing to do. But Ukraine is a corrupt nation. They, they're one of the most corrupt nations in the world. No one thought Zelensky was anything other than a crook until he you know, started trotting out before Congress in his, in his you know, costume military fatigues and demanding all of our money all at once, all the time. And this this border dispute between Ukraine and Russia isn't something that is based on the uh, inherent right to exist of a certain people. It is literally a border dispute. Mm-hmm. Again, it doesn't make it right that Vladimir Putin invaded, but the morality of the thing isn't really um, isn't really at its core. It's not the same moral question as Israel. Israel is fighting for their very right to exist, the people of Israel, the Jewish state of Israel. There are people that want to exterminate Jews because they're Jews. It's, it's almost like people nowadays don't understand that, even though we are 
less than 100 years past the Holocaust, people around the world in our country and in other Western nations don't comprehend that there are radical jihadists, there are Islamists, there are anti-Semites who actually want to murder Jews just because they're Jews. And so we as the United States do have not just a practical obligation to help our ally in the Middle East, but a moral obligation to protect a to protect or help protect a people from extermination when what they're facing is um, a genocidal death cult that hates them based on their religious beliefs. Yes, well said. Um, you talked about morals a moment ago, morality, Republicans being hesitant to speak like that and to use those words. I was too, before I was a Christian, I don't know how connected these two things are, but they both are true. It was before I was a Christian and uh, I was a, more of a libertarian. But I've come to realize now, 11 years on, that every time I was wrong about something, whether it was a border, legalization of marijuana, even pro-life, uh, there's a couple other ones, free trade, a couple other issues, I always took this libertarian approach. And it turned out to be very wrong about all those things. And I'm a, I've been afraid, I used to be afraid to make any sort of moral judgment on anything, that anything's right or wrong or good or bad. And I feel like Republicans are still stuck in that rut. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think you're not alone. I mean, what you described is also, you know, my political history. Probably half of the people watching this show either currently still hold libertarian leaning views because we all kind of have that inherent government get off my lawn bone in our bodies. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I also leaned libertarian when I was younger because it sounds great. I wish I could be a libertarian today still. It, it would be awesome if it worked, but it doesn't work. In fact, the Republican Party's embrace of a more libertarian philosophy of liberty and of governance is actually why you see this, for example, the fracture that we see um, in the speaker race where Republicans can't even coalesce around electing one of their own to be Speaker of the House for multiple days on end. The, the reason for that, the reason why Democrats are always so cohesive and the reason Republicans are always so fractured is because the Republican Party no longer has morals. They no longer have principles. They no longer have an agenda. They no longer have a defined purpose. And I don't say this with particular animosity. I'm not trying to write them off. I'm just saying they're an incredibly important political apparatus that has lost their sense of direction because Republicans have fallen for this idea that we shouldn't have any morals in the public space, whether this is culturally yes. in our civil institutions or whether this is in governmental institutions. They think they have fallen for the false idea of neutrality, that we should let everyone bring their own beliefs to the public square. We shouldn't make any moral judgments on who's right or who's wrong. It's almost moral relativism, really. And the result of this, of course, there is no such thing as neutrality. You can't have neutrality, especially in government or in civil institutions. And so when Republicans stepped back and relinquished our rightful place, you know, as the stewards of these morals, Democrats were only too happy to swoop in with their sets of ideologies that they disguise as their principles or their political agenda. So what you're speaking to is actually a much larger problem that we're going to continue to face in all kinds of cultural fights. I mean, we see this, for example, there are presidential candidates running in the Republican primary who don't want to legally prohibit children from undergoing transgender surgeries because they don't think it's government's right to make a moral judgment about whether that's good or bad, which, Mike, is yep. insane insane that we can't yeah. say, well, wait a second, there's objective truth and there's reality, there's right and there's wrong, and the Republican Party as an apparatus should be able to define what is wrong and what is right, and then promote what is right through through the just authority of government. Well said. Uh, the moral vacuums that exist in our country more than anywhere else is our college campuses, and that's where Black Lives Matter has swooped in with their own moral pronouncements, 
and no one's better than, than, than you on this topic here. And it's been revealing, I think, for a lot of people to see Black Lives Matters, Black Lives Matters support of Hamas and of, and of a Palestinian state and such. What do you make of this? Well, I'm not surprised by it. I think evil is always shocking because it should shock our moral conscience, but I'm not surprised given the origins of the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, the video that you played at the open of this segment, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, the two women that founded the movement, Alicia Garza and Patrice Coolers, have admitted that they are Marxists. They say, we are trained Marxists. Well, Marxism is an inherently anti-life, anti-Christian ideology. It is a religion into itself because under a Marxist government, the people are required to view government as God. And that's why there's an atheistic element to Marxism and communism, because you can't have government as God and God as God. So communists want you to get rid of God and view government as God instead. So that, that the fact that the Black Lives Matter movement is rooted in this communism and in this Marxism, it makes sense why they would also take the side of horrible terrorists who are committing acts egregious acts of terrorism and murder and rape and decapitation of babies and burning families alive. Just the, the most horrible, unthinkable, unspeakable evil that you can imagine. It does, it does align with their, ide with their political ideology that they would support those terrorists versus supporting the Jewish state of Israel. And I hate to, I hate to sound like I'm not surprised by this, but when you, yeah. compare, when you compare the root of, what they, of their beliefs that underpin Black Lives Matter, it is the same type of anti-human beliefs that Hamas espouses. Yep, and then talk like they're, they're, they're oppressed throughout the whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, we got about one minute, Liz. In all your interviews you've done for your new book, Hide Your Children, what is something that you have not yet talked about out of it that you're just dying to get out? I wish someone would ask me about this so I can finally talk about this chapter in my book. Oh my goodness, this is such an unfair question because I've done probably 300 interviews about it and I'm trying to think <laughs> if, there's anything, if there's anything in it. You know, it's interesting. In the chapter on homeschooling, I do talk about the chapter on homeschooling, and I have on interviews before, so this part isn't new. But when I'm um, when I'm talking about the professors, the Ivy League professors that are behind mm. this effort to or preemptively ban homeschooling, um, one of the parts that's really interesting is not just that these people are very pro-public school, but they are essentially pro-Marxist indoctrination and they want to use the public school system for it. The underpinning of their ideology is anti-parental rights. They don't think that parents have any right to raise their children to share the religious values of the family. They think that that is inherently abusive for parents to teach children their own, their own religious views. And to me, that's one of the most shocking parts. When someone shows their colors, their true colors, as deeply as that, um, we better take this kind of opposition, this political opposition, and this kind of political enemy very seriously. Because when you hold an ideology that, that extreme, you're going to go to any lengths to try to impose it on the people around you. Mm. Just to tie this all around, this morning we were homeschooling our five and seven-year-old, along with our three-year-old and uh, ten-month-old. Uh, but we talked about the introduction of sin into the world, which was, I think, one of the great dividing lines between the left and the right today, is are people born good or are they born sinful? And it was that belief that really crushed my libertarian views, perhaps more than anything else, just to tie a bow around all of it. Hide your children, exposing the Marxists behind the attack on America's kids. It is by the great Liz Wheeler. Liz, thank you so much. Thanks, Mike, for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Mike Slater filling in for Jesse Kelly. I'm right, right here on The First TV. It was exhilarating! It was exhilarating! It was energizing! Oh, yeah.
if they weren't exhilarated no, by this, this challenge to the monopoly of violence, by this shifting of the balance of power, then they would not be human. I was exhilarated. Yep. That's such an important clip. There's so much insight there. I want to go to the great Professor William Jacobson, Cornell University law professor, founder of Legal Insurrection. By the way, that uh, gentleman right there is a Cornell University history professor. Professor Jacobson, how are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I mostly want to talk about Donald Trump in this segment and his gag order and, and stuff like that. But I got to ask you about your colleague there from Cornell. What do you make of that? Well, this is nothing new from him, okay? So we've known about these sort of antics of his. I've covered it on my website. There's other video. But this is, he's really a symptom, not the problem. I mean, he is a problem in his own sense, but he's really a symptom of a deeper rot that's taken place at Cornell and elsewhere, maybe worse elsewhere than at Cornell. This sort of revolutionary, you know, revolutionary chic sort of thing where people who haven't really accomplished or fought anything in their life or gung-ho on fighting and, you know, raids and killing and all that sort of stuff. It's just a really toxic sort of ideology. It captures a portion of the campus. The student, Some students really like it. I think most of the people in that crowd are students, although not all of them, because that didn't take place on campus. It took place in downtown in Ithaca. But, you know, there's a percentage of students, you know, the ones who wear the Che Guevara shirts around and the Mao shirts around who don't really understand it, who fall in for these professors who kind of egg them on. So that's the deeper problem. But, yeah, it's kind of vile, the things that he said. My radio show, we went into detail about that, about why knee jerks, particularly young people, support Palestine over Israel. And I made the argument that the worldview of many people today is oppressor versus oppressed, right? We all know this. And Israel, by default, is the oppressor, and Palestine is the oppressed. And you heard in that clip that guy say, oh, I was so exhilarated because I had a, we had a shift in the balance of power, right? We had finally uh, breaking through a liberation of the oppressed against the oppressor. So I found that to be an, an insightful clip from yeah, that gentleman ignoring on that, on the that fact, point right there. Ignoring the fact that hundreds of people were killed in that exhilarating moment. Hundreds of women were raped. Children were tortured and butchered. Babies were kidnapped. None of that seemed to matter. It's his personal feeling, somebody who's never, again, accomplished anything in his life, of you know revolutionary struggle from the safety of Ithaca, New York, uh, and completely <laughs> of what it means in the, in the real world. And, and it's a really sickening sort of ideology. But like I said, we've seen it again with the students who glorify Mao, okay? Um, despite him killing tens, maybe hundreds of millions of people. So it's really do ever, sad. Do you ever like run into that guy on campus? Cornell's not that big. No, I've never run into him. Uh, and uh, I did see him at a rally once and I posted the video. He turns everything into free Palestine. So no matter what the event is, as soon as he gets the microphone, it's free Palestine, free Palestine, free Palestine. The guy's obsessed. I mean, yep. you have to wonder why somebody like this is so obsessed. And I think it is a racial sort of thing. He fits Israel into the white oppressor category. He fits obviously Jews into the white oppressor category. And that's part of the ideology. I mean, that's fundamentally what intersectionality is and what critical race theory is. 
And that's how it, this is, he is how it plays itself out on campus. And that's why I say he's a symptom of the problem. He is not the problem. Well said. Let's shift gears here a second. This is Donald Trump at one of his civil trials today. This is a disgraceful situation. This is an attorney general, Leticia, that went out and uh, campaigned on, I will get Trump. I will get Trump no matter what. I'll get Trump, I promise. I'll get him. We have two tapes on her now that have come out since the trial because people took tapes of her because they couldn't believe her ranting and raving like a lunatic. But this is the Attorney General of New York State, Patricia James, and she should be allowed to be Attorney General. She's defrauded the public with this trial. It's very unfair. We don't get a jury trial. There's no jury. And we don't have any choice. Somebody said we could have checked a box or something. We don't check a box. This is a statute that was never used before, never once used before for anything like this. I'm the first one. Isn't that, isn't that nice? And I should be in Iowa now. I should be in New Hampshire now. I should be in South Carolina now or someplace else campaigning. And the good news is we're about 60 points up on everybody and we're leading Biden by 11. And that's why they're doing this, because this is all coming out of Washington. Professor Jacobson, it's hard to keep track of all these trials. What is this civil trial that he was at today? The civil trial is brought by the New York State Attorney General, and he's absolutely correct. She ran for office on a platform that I will get not only Donald Trump, but I will get his family too. It's disgusting. I can't believe chief law enforcement officer in a state like New York runs on a platform to get a specific person, then mobilizes the entire resources of the attorney general's office, which is a huge office in New York state, as you can imagine, to pour over his records, to try to find something he did that she can get him on. And what she says she found is that he inflated his asset values, uh, particularly the appraisals of properties with regard when he made loan applications and when he applied for insurance. There's no allegation that anybody ever lost a penny. There's no allegation he didn't make good on the payments. There's no allegation he didn't pay back the money. So she has found what she thinks is a technical violation and that, and she is seeking under the New York State uh, Martin Act, under the state law, to essentially kick him and his companies out of New York State. And she's got a judge who seems very sympathetic. Uh, and it's a real possibility that she could do serious, if not, uh, irreversible damage to the Trump organizations if she wins this case. And the key is not a single claim of he didn't pay the money back, didn't pay the loan, or the no bank is complaining about anything, any engagement that ever right. voluntarily happened between anyone. That is astounding. Um, Professor, I want to talk to you about another trial. This is the January 6th one in Washington, D.C. And the judge there, correct me if I'm wrong, issued a gag order. What is a gag order? Well, gag order is simply an order which restricts what the parties and their counsel are allowed to say publicly. Uh, so it essentially gags their mouth from speaking. Uh, usually it's fairly circumscribed. It may be a gag order if there's confidential information turned over during the process of the case. If there's the identity of an informant is revealed, things like that. This one goes a little further, and this I think is a very interesting First Amendment issue that I hope will get up to the appellate courts and to the Supreme Court quickly, is can you tell a defendant, somebody where there has been a very public discussion by the prosecutors that he's guilty about, they let 
they wrote like a forty or fifty page complaint essentially laying out their case against him and he's been criticizing them and he's been criticizing the judge's rulings in the judge's past that he thinks make her should be disqualified from the case so they're going to prevent him from essentially criticizing his accusers that's truly astounding because every day you know MSNBC dozens of networks newspapers websites are trashing Donald Trump and they're trashing it in part based on information the prosecution has put out into the public sphere and statements the prosecution makes the notion that he can't criticize them seems pretty outrageous to me wow very interesting so I thought the unique thing and obviously it is unique but not the most important thing is that he's running for president so the Supreme Court would say oh if someone's running for office then you can't put a gag order on him but I don't like that as much as what you just said, that the prosecution has made their case publicly. It is constantly being talked about publicly, but you're not allowed to defend yourself. Now, the, the judge would say you're not allowed to attack the prosecutor or the witnesses. So is that different than just defending myself? Well, I, I think you can't threaten people. I don't think there's any claim here that he threatened to hurt somebody. That wouldn't be protected speech, whether there's a gag order or not. You, you know, he couldn't say, you know, I want to kill so-and-so, you know. Uh, but uh, I think he is entitled as part of his defense to make his case to the public. Will it taint potentially the jury pool? Sure, but so has the prosecution. I mean, the prosecution released what they call a speaking indictment. And what that means is in an indictment, you could just allege bare bones allegations just enough to get you past the procedural hurdle and prove your case in court. That's not what the prosecution did. In very inflammatory writing, I think it was about 50 pages, they accuse him of all sorts of things. That thing gets repeated by the press. So yeah, I, I don't think he can threaten the prosecutors. I don't think he can threaten to harm them, but he sure can criticize them. Yeah, it's very good. We got about 30 seconds, Professor. What happens when he violates this gag order? Well, potentially, uh, judge could have him hauled in for contempt of court, could, in theory, put him in jail. More likely, something else, maybe fines, but I think it would also depend what the offense is, what the breach is. Um, so I think we'd have to wait and see, but, you know, it's going to be tough on him not to not to want to criticize the prosecutors particularly. That's for sure. Stay tuned indeed, Professor William Jacobson, please make part of your daily reading the website Legal Insurrection and professors at Cornell University Law School. Thank you, Professor. Great. Thank you. Mike Slater filling in for Jesse Kelly. I'm right, right here on the first TV. Mike Slater filling in for Jesse Kelly. We've talked about Hamas and Israel and Black Lives Matter and gag orders. It's time to lighten the mood. Remarkable. Every time I make pizza dough, I'm like, I'm like squeezing it out to try to get it long and there's a hole in it, and then it's all ruined. I wish I was as good at anything as that guy is at spinning pizza. I wish I was good at anything as Jesse Kelly is at this show and at his radio show and everything Jesse Kelly does. The good news is, 
he'll be back. If you want more of Mike Slater, I got a podcast called Politics by Faith. You can uh, listen to us over there. In the meantime, Jesse Kelly, I'm right, right here on The First TV. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.